Howdy, howdy, friends, and welcome to episode 68 of Running with Sam and Dave. And we are in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And so why are we calling this Running with Sam and Dave? Well, because uh, most of this book is about Samuel. And as of chapter 16, we are going to meet a guy named Dave. Yep, we're going to meet about uh, David, one of the most famous characters in the Bible. Um, I always try to be careful about saying that characters, because sometimes that ends up sounding like it's a... Um, a fictional being rather than in a historical character, a historical person, a person that lived in history. Um, and sometimes I think that's a, uh, a thing we need to be careful about is our, our terminology because it's very easy to speak of, of these people we read about historically in, in the Bible, uh, which is a historical record of these things and refer to them in ways that might make them appear to be fictional literary characters. And there are those people that believe that they are, but uh, generally those are people who have not studied any archeology span because um, we see over and over again, that there are, there is evidence of these people living and there's plenty of biblical characters. Again, there's that word characters, uh, <laughs> per, biblical uh, people, people are mentioned in the Bible that for years, critics would say, you know, the Bible's false because Pontius Pilate is never meant. There's no record of Pontius Pilate in in secular history or in archaeology, and until they found some, you know, there's no there's no reference of Nebuchadnezzar in in. Oh wait, no, then they found some. You know, there's no record of the people. These people called the Hittites. Uh, until they found some, you know, and it just happens over and over again. And at some point, you know, most historians recognize like there, there's historical accuracy um, to the things recorded in the Bible. And of course there are those portions and sections that are argued and debated. And oftentimes you find they're argued and debated, not because there's a problem historically with it, but there's a problem prophetically with it. In other words, there's something that's written in that book that shows that the author had knowledge of future events before they happened. And so those people who are, uh, you know, historians who are textual critics and such that would say, well, the Bible can't be true, that the book of Daniel must be written hundreds of years after it, you know, after the, you know, actually, actually, after actually, <laughs> suddenly I've forgotten how to speak. Um, <laughs> you know, the book of Daniel must have been written 400 years after the person Daniel actually lived because otherwise there's no way to explain how he correctly prophesied the next four uh, world empires, you know, so it, it must've been written later because otherwise it means that Daniel had some sort of knowledge ahead of time, which Daniel did. But anyway, all that to say, Hey, we're, we're going to talk about David and uh, David is a historical person and Sometimes I refer to him as a character in the book because, well, it's a book and it's about him. So anyway, here we go. It says, now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? So again, we, we see that, you know, I think we see the, the heartbreak in Samuel over what happens with Saul. You know, Samuel doesn't want to anoint a king over Israel. You know, he he recognizes the rejection that the people had of God and, and God tells Samuel, no, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. So then he, he takes this young man, Saul, and I have to think that Samuel kind of felt in that mentor role, you know, and I'm, 
and we, if you've ever been in that, that type of role where you've uh, come along someone else and helped them to a place where they've stepped into leadership or they've, they've worked their way up and you, you see them having success and then you see their failure and how it's really easy to just be crushed by that. You know, the, the people that we've invested in, the people we, you know, the people we care about when, when we have those, those brothers and sisters, you know, in the faith who, who have some, some moral failing, you know, or, you know, the way it can crush us, you know, and I found this happened to me many times in my life where the people that I've admired that have fallen, you know, I put them too, on too high of a pedestal in my mind. And when they've fallen, you know, just the way that it affected me. And so I've learned in time not to put people up on these pedestals. There's nothing wrong with admiring somebody or looking up to somebody or, or, or saying, you know, they, that person has some great qualities. Or look at, I'm just, I'm just blessed by watching them serve the Lord or whatever. But not to that place where they're on the pedestal because when they fall off, I, I don't want to be crushed by it. And you know, that may seem cynical. And, uh, but you see, I think that's what we see here with, with Samuel is that he, I think he, he raised up Saul in his mind a little too high. And now he's, he's mourning for what Saul has become and what Saul has done. And so God says, how long will you mourn for Saul seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? He's like, he's saying, time to get up and move on. We've, we've got stuff to do. He says, fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. So Samuel is concerned about his standing with Saul, that Saul is going to be you know, have it in for him because of what he has said on behalf of the Lord. And he, so God says, I want you to go do this. Uh, you know, I want you to go um, to, to uh, see Jesse, the Bethlehemite and Samuel's concerned about his well-being. And God says, Hey, take a sacrifice with you and just say, I'm going to make a sacrifice to the Lord. You don't have to, you don't have to go up to Saul and say, Hey, I'm going to go anoint a new King. You know, you don't have to do that. You know, and this is this is one of those things that is sometimes a fine line uh, when we talk about speaking the truth, right? The Bible tells us you know, to speak the truth in love, and we see that you know God is a God of truth. But there are those times where there's also wisdom. Like you know what, if Saul, if I know Saul's embittered towards me, if I do this, it's going to antagonize him. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to give him all the details of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm just going to, I can just say, I'm going to go offer a sacrifice and go offer a sacrifice. I don't have to tell him, yeah, it's all, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to replace you as king. Unnecessary. So, uh, you know, I, I've heard people talk about this, you know, should a Christian ever lie? And there are those times where we're put in a situation where it's like, well, what do I do? You know, I'm, I'm a, you know, it's an Anne Frank situation, right? The Nazis are at the door. I've got Jews hidden in my basement. And they knock on the door and they say, are there any Jews here? Hmm. 
I can't lie. So yes, there are Jews here. Well, now I've just basically signed their death warrant. I've handed them over to those who would, would kill them. You know, and what if they even said that? Are there any Jews here? We want to, if, if there are, we're going to kill them. Oh, I can't lie to you. So yes, there are, you know, so we'll know. Um, there are no Jews here. So, you know, what's, what's better? What's better to say yes and be honest and have them die or to say no. And then they live. Now, that again, there's a fine line and it's a dangerous line because oftentimes people take it from an extreme situation like that to something like, well, if I tell the truth in this situation, I might get in trouble. And if I get in trouble, I might lose my job. And if I lose my job, then I won't be able to support my family. When what you need to do is be honest because you did something wrong and now you're just covering it up. Yeah. Well, I've got, I've got to protect my family. You know, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a situation where you have the choice of two sins, right? You know, I'm going to lie or I'm going to and save lives or I'm going to tell the truth and people are going to die. It's not a common occurrence. This is not a common occurrence. It's a very rare thing. So anyway, in this situation, we see that Samuel's not lying. He's just not giving information that's not helpful. And sometimes, you know, we can speak the truth, but we don't have to speak all the truth, the whole truth, all the time, right? If um, if my wife and I are are having um, a marital issue, you know, we're, we're we've got a disagreement. I don't need to go if my you know if somebody comes up and says, "How are you?" I say, "Oh, I'm doing all right," you know, or oh, "I'm having a rough day." Is, you know, everything okay? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get through it. Is that lying? Is somebody like, oh, no, you need to tell them. You need to say, oh, yes, my wife and I are having this problem and we're this. Well, maybe that's not the best answer for my marriage, for my wife's reputation, for my reputation, whatever. Um, and, of course, it also depends on the person. If it's a person that you trust in your relationship is such that you can feel like this is something we can, I can share with them. They're going to be helpful. They're going to hold it in confidence. But, again, these are those things that we need to use wisdom on. So, God tells him, just go say, you're, you know, go take a sacrifice and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me, the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? Which I think is kind of comical. Um, they're very, they're trembling at Samuel coming you know, do you come peaceably? Like, why would they say that? Here's this old guy coming up. Why would they say that? Well, I guess it's an easy thing to forget that in the previous chapter, something happened. And if you're not keeping track of what happened in the previous chapter, if you are saying reading chapter 16, and you didn't just flip over right now from chapter 15, you might forget that what happened at the end of chapter 15 was Saul taking a sword and hacking King Agag to pieces. Uh, if you haven't been listening along with us. I'd say go back and listen to yesterday's episode um, as we talk about that. But yeah, you'd think when the prophet shows up and you heard he just hacked up a, you know, a foreign king, you might be concerned about him bringing justice to your town, you know? And so there, uh, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord, sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. 
So we're going to stop right there. Next time we'll pick up with this uh, famous account of Samuel looking for the king in the house of Jesse. We'll talk to you next time.